0: Time has come to retool our playing for ourselves, for our students, and for the greater groove. And the big question remains, of course, what is the future of strings? Come on, let's talk about it. Tracy Silverman, your host of the For the Greater Groove podcast, The Future of Strings, and this is where we talk with the leaders of the progressive string world, and I gotta tell you, I am so thrilled to have as our guest today, somebody who I've been looking forward to getting on this show since day one, none other than composer, violinist, Daniel Bernard Roumain aka DBR, who's been on the leading edge of the progressive string world for decades now, if I may say so, Uh, with his genre busting and just boundary defying blend of hip hop and classical and funk and rock and Caribbean, African, pretty much anything that's crossed his eardrums over the last, uh, over the course of his career. He's worked with everybody from Philip Glass to Lady Gaga. And uh, I, I love what the New York Times said about, It's one of my favorite quotes, they said, he is quote, about as omnivorous as a contemporary artist gets. And I think that's just such an apt description of you because you've, you've done so many things and so many styles and brought so many different threads together. Uh, you're sort of a hub, a musical hub. Uh, he's got numerous albums of his own, some solo albums, some collaborations with super badass cool people like Ryuichi Sakamoto and DJ Spooky, and his works have been recorded by dozens of others on, on many albums. Um, he's got two violin concertos, the Voodoo Violin Concerto, which is a kind of a signature uh, piece for uh, for Daniel. And of course also the Woodbox Violin Concerto, another major incredible piece that I hope all you string players out there will be looking into. He's got symphonic works including Dancers, Dreamers, and Presidents. He's got an opera called We Shall Not Be Moved with director and choreographer Bill T. Jones who he's worked uh, together with for years about the 1985 move bombing in Philadelphia, a very important work, musical work, and work of social justice. Uh, Lately, he's been doing a lot of film scoring. He scored the movie Ailey about the great choreographer Alvin Ailey and lots of other short films. Uh, He made headlines recently with his operatic aria They Still Want to Kill Us with Janai Bridges. And when was the last time anybody made the news with an opera aria? That's what I want to know. As a composer, he got his, uh, his undergrad degree right here in Nashville, Tennessee, my hometown, at Vanderbilt University's Blair School of Music, and then went on to get his master's and doctorate at the University of Michigan, working with the great composers William Balcom and Michael Daugherty, uh, and, uh, man, I'm just so thrilled to have you
1: on the show. Welcome! Oh, thanks for having me. It was hard to hold back. I was going to uh, interject. <laughs> feel know, free, was, man. I, that was the greatest introduction I think I've ever had.
0: Ah, oh, dude. I,
1: I, I, I'm glad we got that on tape. Well, I could have yeah. gone on for
0: another ten dude. minutes because, oh, man, you've got a body of work that is just super impressive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you. Uh, you. you know, hey. maybe one one thing, if if it if it works into the conversation, is just how you bring all those threads together, man. What's yeah. what's that that motivating motivating force? Um, uh, yeah,
1: Google Calendar.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Time management. Nothing like
1: a deadline also to get oh, things done, gotta right? Gotta love it, gotta love it, that's right.
0: You know, yeah. I saw a wonderful quote um, on a website somewhere, I think it might have been on your publisher, Subito's um, website. Mm. Uh, where you said, for me, the arts are like a religion. I still haven't played the same violin I played when I was five years old. This inanimate object, the violin, has been one the one constant thing in my life. And you know, it made me think. I've got my violin that I played when I was five years old. I've actually,
1: oh got wow, it right here. Oh, you literally have it. <laughs> I oh, literally wow. have it, man. wow, look yeah. at that.
0: That's the, fiddle I, that's the fiddle I played when I was five. I started taking lessons that's, from this guy down the wow. street who was a
1: concertmaster in an orchestra. Oh, you uh, got to hate. Well, obviously, you're hanging on to that. That is... I, I got the original case don't. and the bow, which the hair is, you know, yeah. mostly off. But. That's great. Well, we're going to need that for the archives. <laughs> exactly. The Tracy Silverman archives.
0: <laughs> so I thought that was really cool, man, that you're, yeah. you know, because... To me, though, these kinds of things—my my wife thinks I'm overly sentimental—but hmm. you said, you know, that it's like a religion. These things—they're sort of totems in a way. They're they're yeah.
1: physical objects that represent something much deeper. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's it is faith, and uh, as well, you know, that um, interesting. I'd I'd like to think that um, you know, when things are at their best, and you're And everything in your life seems kind of wonderful and balanced um your violin has a role and it's pretty clear right it's it's Uh joy it represents joy at the same time for me when things have and we've been you know you've been there for me on a very personal level when Mm. things are at their worst yeah that's when hanging on to something you know sometimes more than or as, as much as someone You know, people are important, of course, in our lives, people that we love, our family, friends, and so on. But, you know, having the violin, literally having something that you can hold in your hands that has um, kind of been uh, witness to, you know, the the, the tragedy and the triumphs of your life, you know, um, yeah, it's really important. I mean, it's so moving to see something that on a molecular level, on a, on a, on a, you know, on a, um, on the most fundamental level in that wood, in that dust, you know, is, is who you were and, and you didn't know at the time who you would become. Yeah. You know, and then, and it will live on. Hopefully. uh, I mean, you're, you know, our children are grown, but hopefully there will be a child out there who will take up that instrument and and find their way. And, um, yeah, that's 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 a that's where my faith lies. You know, yeah. I've often said that that artists, um, you know, when politician pundits fail us, artists have always led the way, yeah. and they will. Yeah. Yep. So I, I I forgot about that quote actually, but thank you for reminding me about it because it, I tell you, it's it, you know, these things are real. <laughs>
0: And you know, um, you have really taken strings uh, really further than a lot of people have, and and in a very public way, you know, getting great success with things like the Voodoo Violin Concerto, playing it all over the world, and showing mm-hmm. people, showing other string players how to do this, modeling uh, how what the future of strings is, how we don't and this is not to, to in any way denigrate the Beethoven Violin Concerto or the Sibelius. Sure. These are the pieces that drew us to our violins. Yeah. But to show that you know, the, the past doesn't always equal the future. You know, the, it's yeah. time for us to move forward. And just as composers like Beethoven, Mozart, Bach, would have represented their time, yeah. what you're doing and what I'm trying to do is to represent our time. And to, uh, in a way, you know, I I always felt that the artist's job is to, is to be sort of an emotional journalist and to, you know, to represent, to people like take a photograph of what we see, but through our hearts,
1: right? Wow. Well, there's, there's the photojournalist. Yeah. (laughs) And I remember my father's Life magazines and Time magazines and... Just being so curious about the covers. I had World magazine. I mean Oh nice. Many of your listeners won't even know what that is, but that's okay. <clears throat> there was once a remember World magazine? I don't. Is that like National oh, Geographic? Kind yeah, but it, it was like for kids. It was like oh, okay. the, the I had highlights. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well my father had National Geographic, Time and Life. Those are the big ones that came, yep. you know, every, Yeah, we had every Life. And, you know, we had piles of them in the garage. And yeah. it was just amazing to kind of go through them. And, and he, w- he was, my father and my mother were both, um, you know, they were both um, so curious about everything. So I love this notion of, and I, I remember the photographs in these magazines. Well, you know, they were wonderful. Yeah. So, yep. But you just said something about a, mo- so I'm thinking, okay, a photojournalist. Of course, our friend Aaron Dworkin is a poet journalist. Yes. And now I think, you, uh, yeah. Well, he he's a great poet and poet, and he has a way of of using his poetry to 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 as commentary on on our kind of um, kind of current state of mind and our socioeconomic and political place in the world right now as a community of artists. Mm-hmm. But now you said emotional journalist, so I thought, oh, and, uh, uh, you have a photo. Um, poet now emo journalist <laughs> emo journalist <laughs> <Right>? emo <laughs> <journalists>. <laughs> but but you're right I mean I, I do I think I, it's also in the scores I mean there's there's right there's the playing which of course I'm such a fan of your playing both as a as Tracy Selvam and the great self but also all the things that you do with Turtle Island and so many other
0: well, thank um, you.
1: great ensembles and your relationship with John Adams so on and so forth we, we were on a panel on we talked a little bit about you by the way Oh wow, brother, brother Adams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I loved you. But um, but also in the scores, of course, you know, you're so great in the work that you've done to kind of document, um, um, you know, uh, groove playing or mm-hmm. groove-based playing is so important. But that's also the other part of it, right? That we are, um, we're scientists in a sense. We are applying a theory to to people to an audience. Uh, I think some of it is curative, or we, we have, we hope to cure, or mm-hmm. to uh, even cause um, a kind of meditation on the state of state of things. But yeah, I think that for me, particularly as a Black Haitian American composer, um, I've always been keenly aware that my scores are a very important cultural documentation. Even the titles. I mean, you mentioned one. They yep. still want to kill us. Right. Right. Yep. That tells you a lot about the last few years. It tells you a lot about where we're going. Yeah. You know? and, and where we are right now as a Where country. we are right now. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean,
0: I, I, I like to think that we're, we're both fierce advocates for freedom of strings you know. <laughs> I love this. These are all you know,
1: t-shirts, you know. <laughs> female journalist, freedom of strings. Okay. Yeah. Good. And, Good. I, Good. and I'm curious to
0: know, like, how do you express your freedom of strings? You know, like you've got a violin and you're like, I'm not going to be penned in this cage of as beautiful as a gilded cage as it is here in Beethoven, Brahms, Sibelius land. I'm yeah. not going to be held in this cage. I'm going to... Bust the door open and express my freedom of strength. And you've been doing that for
1: years. Yeah. Well, these are wonderful analogies. I mean, I hadn't thought about it as, as a cage. I, th- I think you're right. I mean, I for me, it was almost like a room that <clears throat> I didn't have the technique to go into. Mm. You know, I had the hands and the fingers. But I was also keenly aware, probably around middle school, that I just couldn't play concertos the way my friends did. You know, those Sites concertos, remember those? Right. You know, there was always, it <laughs> oh, was yeah. almost, in, it was impulsive. I was always doing things from adding notes to adding slides, right. to, you know, just things that were, yep. I didn't realize then were intuitive. Were a part of my culture, just right. a part of my hand, right? All of our hands or fingers are different. I couldn't do that. I could do this when I'm doing it right. now, right. but at the time Um, unfortunately, and I think this is important for a big demographic of your, of your listening audience. I was not those things that think that the, this, that I was doing, I couldn't do that, but I could do this. It wasn't validated. Right. In fact, it was invalidated, right? It was wrong. Exactly right. right. Don't move while you're playing, even. <laughs> don't move while you're playing. <laughs> Definitely right? don't move. Stop wiggling around. That's right. Which, which you know, again, for me, even culturally, that meant you weren't enjoying it. So yeah. that, that right. as, a, as a kid, that was the connection. That not only are yeah. are you wrong, not only as a violinist, but as a person, yeah. but that the things yeah. that were coming naturally to me didn't have a place in this room, this cage, I think you're right, that we were talking about. So I had to find a way. I had to quickly find a way to, well, to answer your question, how did I define it? I started referring to the violin as my violin. I just did that intuitively, and that there was a difference. So there was the pizzicato, but then there was my pizzicato. Yeah. (laughs) Right? um yeah. soul ponticello but then there was my way of sometimes playing right on the bridge sometimes yeah. behind it yeah. right and then i and then i started realizing oh i'm i'm discovering things that are unique to me and that made a unique sound and then i was lucky enough by the way to find teachers who who could who, who only, who not only validated and and, and um, understood what I was trying to do, but encouraged it.
0: Yeah, encouraged. Yeah, it. man. Yeah, and I want to ask you about that in a second uh, about one of your early teachers that I discovered uh, in a bio somewhere online about you. But mm-hmm. I just wanted to point out that uh, in the last interview I did actually with Eugene Friesen, the great cellist. Oh um, yeah, Eugene. Yeah. Uh, he, First of all, he, he kind of gave me that idea of the cage. Because he said, you know, we got to just bust open the door and get out of our cage. Like, what are you doing in there? Go, go You know, That's you don't true. have to stay in there. You can yeah. come out. But he also made a real point of, of saying how important the idea of improvisation is mm. uh, in his world. And how, it, of course, it's so underrepresented in the classical pedagogy. It's, you know, there is... V- almost no improvisation whatsoever in the classical world. I certainly was not taught how to do anything off the page when I was at Juilliard. Um, But he said it was was only when he started improvising that he found his own voice. Because Mm. when he played Mozart, when he played Brahms, he was playing with a vibrato and a sound that was appropriate to that. But when he started making up his own stuff, suddenly it was his voice and Mm. it was his way of doing a vibrato. And that's yeah, exactly, yeah. I think, what you're saying. You know, oh, and yeah. this is, I just want to sort of bring out to our listeners, uh, many of them who are probably classical players, mm. uh, how deeply important it is, this, this process of discovering yourself, yeah. making it my violin, my yeah. pizzicato, and my yeah. ponticello, rather than my teacher's.
1: Absolutely. I mean, this is the golden age of self-definition in a lot of ways. Yeah. Right. The golden <laughs> age of, yeah. of validation, self-validation. I'm all for it. And yeah. I fumble and I stumble on pronouns and yeah, other yeah. R- new rules of engagement. Mm-hmm. But, um, but to your point, you know, we could talk about it this way. I was taught two pizzicatos, right? Pits, fleshy part of the finger. Yeah. And the Bartok pits. Uh-huh. So, You're what's interesting nappy. about the Bartok pits, right? So, this is his invention, right? And it was radical, my understanding, when yeah. it was first introduced. Yeah, ugly. Yeah, we had to learn it, very percussive. Yeah. And to me, it's like a, it's the rim shot <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> of the violin, right? But it was specific and it was attainable, and now it's become traditional. That innovation has become traditional. Yep. I and we're very similar, you know. Not only through electronics, 'cause that's also a whole nother thing. It's another, another world, actually. I have probably about a dozen different pizzicatos. Yep. You know, I yeah. do pizzicatos right near the bridge. I I do a left hand pit. I do a left hand pit that has a wild vibrato built in. I do a heavy pit that I'm trying to emulate a bass player. Yeah. You know, I do a pitch where I'm de- detuning the pegs at the same time as I'm pitching. So there's all <laughs> yeah. these different ways of doing um, pizzicato. And I think that that's, that's part of the wonderful opportunity to kind of self-define, not the violin or the instrument, and I wouldn't say the, you know, your education, but to make it very personal and very reflective. So yeah. what is the pizzicato that is unique to you in your hand? You know what does that sound like? You know, and and how yeah. can you start to pull from other playing styles? You know, I pull a lot from guitarist Van Halen, uh, Jimi Hendrix, of course, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Um, I pull a lot from guitarists in my in my playing and in, and in my approach to pizzicato, actually.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a big part of your technique, um, uh, and I think it's just brilliant. You, you, I think you've given a lot of other fiddle players ideas about. Oh, geez, I never even thought about that you know um my last record i did actually with my son uh and he was he's g- gotten into making really? beats you know making like wow. hip-hop beats Ooh. and on the thing called fl studio so we did a record oh, yeah. and i called beats and jams and uh but uh, i i made liner notes for it not that anybody's ever seen them because liner notes don't really exist anymore in the mm. streaming world which that's such a shame, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, my point in it, uh, was um, that I made, and it was that I wanted to. I was trying to play the violin as if I had never gone to Juilliard. You know, I like to mm. say it took me years to forget everything I learned at Juilliard, um, mm. and wow, and I said wh- what I'm hoping is that this will inspire people who have never heard a classical violin mm-hmm. pick up this instrument and go, oh. What do you do with this? How does yeah. this work? What could I do with this? And to me, you more than any other string player have been able to do that, mm-hmm. to pick up the violin and go and look at it like fresh, like you've never heard Sibelius. Yeah. And That's
1: go, okay, good. what do we, how does yeah. this work? What can I do with this? I think, I th- no, I think you're right. I mean, I have no degrees in violin playing. You know, I'm a composer. Yeah. composing. Right. You know, I'm a composer. Those are my degrees. I have a doctorate in composition, and music composition and theory from University of Michigan. I've recently become a tenured professor at Arizona State University, yes. which you know is yep. is it's um, not nothing. It's not nothing. Yeah, yeah. I love that. <laughs> it's not nothing. And you know, it's I have not to nothing. yeah, I have to be more vocal about it again because, as you know, so much of my work is activists and and mm-hmm. I and I you know I just went to see Wakanda, a great movie with yes. my son Zachary and there's a moment several scenes, t- three where they literally are well, presumably in Haiti and there it is Cape Haitian you know, Haiti huh? and when I saw that I, I there's a sound that Haitians make oh, there's probably about 55 different oh, 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 you know they are yeah, but yep. the, the surprise one is oh And I did that in the theater, right? And, of course, my son knows that sound. And he said, Dad, you know, he gets very embarrassed. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And he said, Dad, if there's any other Haitians in this theater, they know you're Haitian now. (laughs) But I was so moved to see Haiti in a big Hollywood Marvels film and to see it with so much respect and dignity, you know, and I don't want to ruin the storyline. But I'm getting to this notion of I, we all have a responsibility to not only self-define, but to self-promote the things that haven't always been included, that has not always been a part of that tradition I talk about. I say it this way, tradition yeah. is nothing but an old innovation waiting patiently to be made new again. Oh, right? wonderful. Man. So I, I, wonderful. what you're doing at its best will become tradition, not just <laughs> yours, but someone else's. That's what yeah. I was, what you're doing is so important. The instruments you're having made are so important. The concertos you're writing, Dharma and Big Sur, that is, I would say, in my humble opinion, part of the canon. Yeah. Right? And, mm-hmm. and, you know, this type of self-promotion isn't... Well, another way to say it is that our education is the one place we can be selfish and selfless at the same time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <At> <laughs> That's so time. true. That's yeah. so true, man. Yeah.
1: So dig in, because I think a lot, of, yeah, a lot of the tradition, I think, of violin playing is still steeped in this notion of kind of master and apprentice. You yeah. are learning by observing. But you have to be careful what you're watching, and, right, and, and who you're watching, and what they're saying, and who they were watching. Yeah. In my own teaching, I don't use the word teacher or student. I use the word contributor. They were all contributors to a classroom, nice. a nice. community, a world of ideas. But we can talk about that too,
0: man. It's so much like parenting, you know that whole selfish self, right? That whole selfish selfless, you know, um, dichotomy. That sort of yin yang of that. Exactly. Um, That's so much a part of parenting, and and also that that uh, idea of exposure. What you're exposed to is so important, and that's why it's so important to have underrepresented voices be given uh, representation be given air air airtime because what we listen to what goes through our ears into our brains makes a huge impact that's you know like you know little kids when they they hear everything you say you know they may not repeat it back to you right away but it goes in and it it stays in you know and you know you have so much Propulsive rhythm, uh, and I'm just going to mm-hmm. talk a little bit about rhythm because we—that's th- kind of you know our topic of, uh, on the groove here. Yeah. Um, but that propulsiveness of uh, that's in your music, that's in yeah. pieces like Filter and the Voodoo Violin. Control, oh, everything, almost yeah. everything that you've written. Although I've there's some wonderful soundscapey things, oh, yeah. vibey stuff that you've done yeah. as well, and uh, <laughs> certainly um, don't want to ignore that. But I'm curious, what are those sounds that got into your head as a kid? What were some mm. of those influences? Were they, um, was it rock and roll? Was it
1: R&B? Was yep. it blues, hip-hop, yep. uh, Haitian
0: music? Yep. What, what were some of
1: those things? All of it. All of it. You know, the two things happened. I was very fortunate. My father had a massive record collection. So he would, he would always, and he loved to listen to music all the time. Mine too. So, yeah, right, yeah, oh, I'm so glad to hear that. So I have, even now in this conversation, remember I'm looking at him on the wall over there. My uh, father was my first music educator in a, in a lot of ways. So you know, it was too. Al Stewart, it was ABBA, <laughs> Jackson 5, Barry wow. White, Isaac Hayes. Also Von Carrion and the Berlin Philharmonic, Time Life Records, um, he, it was Wagner. <laughs> There was really no limit, and of course, it was Haitian music and Creole music and calypso and Celia Celia Cruz Mm -hmm. and Tito Puente. Um, This was, you know, my father was was a kind of my 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 Apple playlist, (laughs) you know, completely aleatoric, changing records all the time. Sometimes mid song, you know, and um, that was really important. I also so and number two, I grew up in South Florida, which by extension then and now was very diverse. so uh, in my neighborhood um we had a lot of different children from a a lot of different parents from a lot of different parts of the world israel jamaica new york (laughs) syria i mean you name it dominican republic of course and with with all of those different cultures came different musics you know pakistan um, india Uh, my mother's i remember my mother's boss at the hospital she was east indian and her you know we would go eat thanksgiving at their house and Play Indian music all night long. He would explain it to us, you know, all everyone, wow. uh, the, you know, uh, the families there. So it was those two things were really, no pun intended, very instrumental mm-hmm. in liberating my ear. Right. I grew up without any sense of this is this is good music or this is not good music. It was yeah. mus- all music. It was all sound, and it was all equitable. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. beautiful. Man. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, so what I was alluding to before uh, in terms of your early uh, instruction, <laughs> I read that at the age of five, quote, DBR discovered the violin and began studying with American conductor and band leader Mitch Miller
1: not the Mitch Miller. Oh, okay. <laughs> so there's the but they looked alike. Uh, and you know, also a, a band leader. Yeah, he well, he he was, he was okay. uh, he he had his own band. So my Ms. Mitch Miller or my teacher, <laughs> Mr. Miller, let's say. Mr. Miller did have his own band. He was a keyboardist. Wonderful. Okay. But and and then he had um all, all of these I I well, I you know, he was a public school teacher. I suspect now he might have been teaching at other schools, but Margate Elementary School was the main one. And we were the Margate String Orchestra. Big <laughs> deal. And we all had instruments, full size. There was no, I noticed yours was about a quarter size instrument. Wow. We learned yep. on a full-size instrument, day one. Wow. Jeez. Yeah, And, uh, yeah, it was very, <laughs> you know, you suffer through that yeah. instrument. <laughs> and um, we got a music lesson a week, a private lesson a week. Sometimes an hour or more. Wow. We had our own beautiful music book that he made. The covers are really wonderful. We had a demerit system. <laughs> you had to wash your hands, wash your face, comb your hair before you wow. pick up the instrument. Oh yeah. Wow. And um, you know he he was he was a Jewish man who loved his faith. We all learned Hatikva. That's <laughs> the first piece I ever played publicly. Hatikva. No yeah. Way. My That's... son, by the way, his mother is Jewish. He's half Jewish. He just had his bar mitzvah. So no he way! That's oh, yeah. super cool. Oh yeah, singing these you know, these wonderful yeah uh, oh I went through it melodies. Yes, of yeah. course. And um, and um, but he also loved M- the Mitch Miller, and he kind of combed his hair the same way. They both wore <laughs> glasses. He didn't play clarinet, but you know. But I didn't I didn't know of the Mitch Miller until many many years later. So for me, there was only <laughs> one Mitch Miller. But yeah, that's I awesome. Clear. I should clarify that a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Good Isn't that story, funny though? Man. Yeah.
0: That's a riot. Yeah. Well, listen, man, I don't want to keep you here all day, um, but I do want to get to our last segment of the show, the not my gig part, which everybody dreads. But before I do, I just wanted to ask if there's anything (laughs) (laughs) else that you want to talk about,
1: uh, add to this conversation. No, I I think that there's a great um, landscape that you have created for our culture, even beyond violin playing which is, and string playing, by the way, which is so important. You know, I just want you to know that the work that you're doing is an actual uh, landscape of ideas and knowledge and great music and musicians and um, repertoire. And um, all of these things are very real and very tangible. You can buy them. You can participate in them. There are camps, Mark Wood. Mark O'Connor, you know there are there are established orchestras now. There are schools, of course, not least of which is Arizona State University, which has a great yes. music program. But there are places now teaching um, improvisatory violin playing and electric violin playing, even. And yeah, you know, Rudolph these, Hawkins got that uh, exactly. Right? Champagne Urbana, huge. So there are actual landscapes, as I call them, and places to go yeah. to extend beyond um, one's, um, technique or one's, um, um, uh, so-called ability, that one's imagination and interest are met with these locations and these landscapes. I just want to say, and it's important to say that when I was coming up and learning the instrument, it was an imaginary landscape, <laughs> right? To think about John Cage's, uh, Pieces and what he was getting at in those works. But more specifically, that imaginary landscape, I think, for both of us, we're, we're the same. We're relatively the same age. Yeah. It was uh, a hope. Mm. It was an idea. Yeah. It was a destination, for sure. Yeah. But it didn't exist in the real world. It existed kind of in our imaginations, mm. in, our, in, our, uh, in the promise that if we stick at it long enough and we don't surrender, and uh, we learn from our failure um, that these things might become real. And here we are, right? It's real. It is 2022. That will be important. And I'd like to think that long after we're gone, and our children are having conversations about us, you know, what will they say? What will they remember? Yeah. What will audiences recall about you know this year and this time? A moment of healing. We're still in recovery. Yeah. Um, I tell all artists everywhere in my role and my capacity as a board member of the League of American Orchestras and the Association of Performing Arts Professionals, I, and, and the Sphinx Honorary Board as well, I have a good take on where the artistic field is right now. And I think there is one thing that I'm reminding myself and others that we should be really centered on, and that's public health. That when our public health is in a, a place of acceptance, and love, and equity, and concern, and empathy, it, that's when things actually happen. That's when mm. these imaginary landscapes become real. Investments are yeah. made, right? Yeah. Things are allowed mm. on a stage. Mm. And things happen um, because we want them to happen, because we, 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 we feel the, the urgent and necessary need for them to happen, not that they're imposed or not out of fear. Right? How many violinists in the past, maybe some now, are afraid to, dot, dot, dot. -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I I just wanted to say that you're part of that construction, right? That you are as much a violinist as you are a construction worker or even a social worker, and that our imaginary landscape that we dreamed about is now very, very real. And with that reality comes now a new responsibility to push it even further along, to make it even broader. Yes. And, of course, the point of this podcast and everything that you and I are doing in so many ways has to do with that gospel, right? Yes. That, that mere idea of that what I do and how I do it and the instruments that I do it with, that that matters. Yeah, so wow. thank you for that. Thank you for your work.
0: And that, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, is why... <laughs> Daniel Bernard Romain is on this podcast <laughs> right there. One of the most eloquent mm. spokesmen for oh. the future of strings. Wow. That was just gorgeous, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I might uh, just I might just take take make a piece that. That. that was that uh, that was Why? a libretto for an opera right
1: there. I, I still remember, okay, so me, you, Kenji Bunch, and who was playing cello? Oh, remember when oh. we got together in your house and we we were oh gonna my
0: God.
1: do you remember this? <laughs> Oh, your memory now you're <laughs> Mike, Mike block. Maybe? Oh, was it wasn't Mike block. Oh my God. The great Mike block. I think the you're Mike, right. Yes. Mike it must've been right. Remember we, we landed at your house for like a weekend. Yeah. And we just jammed and we were like, <laughs> we're going to form the next super group. Yes. Oh man. We, we got to do you remember this. Yeah. Yes, I oh, do. I, I do, was, man. That was incredible. We all just flew to your house. <laughs> you put us up. I think we stayed, right? Didn't we stay and? Yeah. The, what, were we recording something? What was the premise oh, of, all of that? There must maybe been, we did. Was there a you know what? That those recordings are probably somewhere. Jeez. You I know, think the we did. Progressive String Quartet, dude. Yeah, but we jammed. We
0: yeah. were jamming. Yes. I just. I've got that. it probably on a, on an old ADAT
1: somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Remember to record the ADATs man oh. I just remember that now in this conversation because yeah. that was such a magical time and you know we've had, we've had a lot of magical times and, 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 and I do want to say thank you because really we've had these great wonderful loving times but I was you know I was going through some challenges for yes, sure i I'll remember that. it at man. that I remember. Yeah. and you gave me really incredible kind of life saving life affirming oh. advice Man. And, you know, when you're and, you know, that's the thing about I don't think people realize, you know, we're, we're as musicians, we collaborate, but we're friends and you we're know? a family, we're family. We're family exactly. Yeah. And, you know, you start to get into these decades of so-called success and career. Uh, what are we? We, we are. We're, well, you start off as emerging, then you become. Uh, something And then you're established <laughs> right? right I think we're struggling, established. Emerging Struggling, struggling established. established There you Star- go right and, there. and starving
0: Pretty much the whole and time
1: starving the whole time <laughs>
0: That's right
1: But I wanted to thank you For that man Because I still think About the advice That you gave me uh, On such a personal level That I needed yeah. to hear Well And um, I'm so much Better off well, for it And yeah, that think- made a big impression On me
0: Whew. Well thank you big For saying impression. so man You're such a generous yeah. spirit And that. You know that kind of uh, spirit coming back to you is only because you have been such an inspiration to me in so many ways, musically, uh, through your social justice work, uh, mm-hmm. just yeah. as a yeah. human being, yeah. uh, as a dad. Oh, you know, such yeah. an amazing dad. I mean, to me as a you know a father of four kids, yeah. uh, that's so important to me to see how somebody prioritizes that above everything else in yes. your very. Hundred uh, um, percent. Important, busy, uh, incredible life. Uh, yeah. Zach is still
1: absolutely yeah. number one. And Zach is uh, number one. That's right. That's, oh yes, yeah. that's, oh, that's pretty cool. Man. That's. Yeah, I appreciate that. He really, <laughs> that, is. He really I is. can.
0: I relate, yeah. brother. I yeah. relate. Yeah. All right, and with that, on to the dreaded. Not my gig segment, I've heard and about this, this is I've yes. And now this. this is modeled after the Not my job segment on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. I don't know if you're an NPR junkie, the way you are. I have, oh, yes. We have you know radio in the in the kitchen. That's Love just it. yeah on. We know we just never turn it off. It's on all night. Yeah, uh, it's on all day. It's oh, just nice. always on NPR. And um, oh, we have WPLN here in in Nashville. Uh, Anyway, so I I ripped this uh, idea totally off them uh, and I'm not at all ashamed about it because great artists don't copy, they steal. So, Uh so, Daniel, you've written this amazing piece that many string players out there know and play and love called Filter. And so I'm going to ask you... Some questions about the rock band filter. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> oh, God.
0: Oh, oh, good. You don't know them too well, do you? I okay. do not. I love their music, but I don't know them too well. All well, right. good. Well, hopefully you don't know too many of the details about their
1: history. I'm going to fail miserably, but hey, oh, I love good. to fail. This is what this I'll, is about. Something. This is about. <laughs> yes. yes.
0: So just so you know, the point of this show is to stump you by asking you questions that you know nothing about, so all in good fun, and thanks for playing. So your first, so Filter's an industrial rock band. Um, they've had a number of hits. They were in the in the '90s, and um, that's about all I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> oh, all right. Okay. So here's your first question. Okay. The band name Filter came from. It's a multiple choice. Okay. A lead singer Richard Patrick's annoying habit of chewing on his cigarette filters to extract the nicotine after he'd smoked them down to the butt. Ooh. Okay. B, something bandmate Brian Lisegang would stage whisper to Richard Patrick whenever they were around his kids. Filter. Filter. Uh, Nice. Or C, the filter knob on Richard Patrick's favorite guitar pedal. They were going to call the band Knob, but decided to go with Filter instead.
1: Ooh. Oh, Although well, those are all great possibilities. I have to say, I love the one about the, the cigarette, you know, and chewing on it to the Knob. That, that's, that's a real possibility <laughs> for sure. <laughs> B seems a little too sentimental for the band even. And, you know, right. I don't know. But, you know, or, I mean, B, yeah. But I think I'm going to go with C because I love the notion that at one point they were going to call themselves Knob. That's so, cool. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with C.
0: Well, you know what? I have no idea what the correct answer is because I tried to find it, but there was no, oh. there was no. <laughs> so I just Woo. made them up, and that's my favorite one too. Because knob. It? I mean, why hasn't somebody? Maybe somebody did yeah. come up with knob. Yeah.
1: So many possibilities. There. So we're gonna call that a win. We're okay. Oh, oh win thank you. Five points.
0: Ding. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. That's the one I would have chosen. <laughs> Oh, right. I would have definitely gone with knob.
1: And if I win, you have to do a voicemail for me. Right, right? exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, know. Oh, I know, I love it. Your favorite it. wait waiter. That's yeah. right. All right, here we go. Okay. Filter, question number two. Filter was formed in 1993 in what great American rock and roll city? Was it A, Cleveland, home of the Rock Hall of Fame, B, Tupelo, Mississippi, Ooh. Birthplace of Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll. Or C St. Louis, Missouri, home of Chuck Berry, father of rock and roll.
1: Oh, wow. Well, I don't think it was Mississippi. And hmm. Did, what oh, St. Ooh, Louis or Cleveland. St. Louis or Cleveland. You know, I'm I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with. I I feel the energy of that band somehow emanated from the great rabble-scrabble city of Cleveland.
0: You are right. Oh! Vibe that one out. <laughs> totally vibed it, man. It's that I industrial
1: did. Cleveland yeah, kind like, of vibe. Mm, yeah. I know Cleveland. I've I spent a lot of time, and actually, at even at a Cuyahoga Coy- Community College, ah. which is right near downtown Cleveland, and uh, it's yeah, it's yeah. rabble scrabble, and actually, yeah. it's a beautiful city. It's a cool it Has town. a great um, uh, uh, performing arts district. Down yes. There yep. Right? Playhouse and, Square. And yes. Playhouse Square. And some great places to eat, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, of course, Cleveland Symphony, a great modern museum. Yeah. As well. Severance that Hall. big cube. Right? The Cleveland yeah. Museum of Modern yes. Art, I think. Yep. Yep. Like yep. There. Yeah. Right near, right. near oh, Severance Museum of Contemporary Art. I can't remember. Mocha, something like that. Anyway. Yes. So, yes. Love Cleveland. Got it. All right. Cool. That's two. <laughs> <laughs> two
0: out of three. So you are already one. But here's, okay. here's question number three. We'll just see All how right. you do on this one. Lead singer Richard Patrick formed Filter after being the guitar player in what famous rock band? Was it Ooh. A, the Goo Goo Dolls, Ooh. B, Katrina and the
1: Waves,
0: <laughs> or C, Nine Inch Nails?
1: Oh, okay. So, I know it's not Goo Goo Dolls, because that lead singer is very cool, and got the hair and everything, right. and they're a great girl. <laughs> I think they're still rocking and rolling, by the way. I think they are. Um, and I, I've had the opportunity twice now to actually meet and spend a little time with Trent Reznor and Nine Inch oh, Nails, well. and It was just, you know, in, actually in passing through our friend, I think our friend, right? John Baptiste and all that situation. Oh. Um, Oscar winning Trent Reznor, actually. Yes. And Atticus and, <laughs> and all that. So I'm going to go with, and I also love the fact that I can't remember the name exactly, but I know on the show, sometimes you got to go with the, the, the name that is like way out there. And that <laughs> B was way out there. So I'm going with B. Katrina and the Waves. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. It was
0: actually Trent Reznor's Nine Inch Nails.
1: Oh my God! Oh, I did that. Oh, I did.
0: <laughs> that's no. all right. That's all right. You know, these are
1: obscure rock and roll facts. Oh, I didn't know man. that. And I can't. Th- I-, I was so focused on literally Trent Reznor <laughs> <laughs> that you did say. Nine I had Inch to do Nails. a deep wiki
0: wiki search to discover these wow. things. But you know what? We got. I've got an extra credit one here. Just you're ready. I'm I'll take it. But, yeah. <laughs> but just for the fun of it, okay. uh, what is the title of Filter's first album? Was it oh, okay. A Chew It Till It Hurts, <laughs> a reference back to the Filter? Yeah. Thing. Uh, B Long and Hard with Four Wheels. Man, (laughs) Or C, title of
1: record Oh, wow Chew It Till It Hurts Okay, I don't think it's Chew It Till It Hurts Although that's a great (laughs) title of any record all the time We also have to do that You and I DBR and Tracy Silverman Chew It Till It it
0: Hurts hurts. (laughs) What does that even mean? Who the
1: hell knows I'm going to go with C you're our, you are right, dude. You yeah! just have a way to vibe. I'm vibing with it. I, was, I think it's my father. My father. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> He's you up go. there. That's him on the wall right there. Yeah. Uh, oh, I yeah, was I feeling see. it. Yeah. yeah. Title I don't of think record. Chew It yeah. Till It Hurts somehow was not quite <laughs> <laughs> the first record. Actually, it wasn't their first. It was their second album, I believe. So anyway. Oh, Chew It Till It Hurts?
0: Uh, no. Title of record. I oh, said title it was of first record. album, yeah. I believe it was. Yeah.
1: Oh, and by the way, that's a, such Dose. a great rock and roll. That's like the Black album, you know? Yeah, right. Title of record. Title of record. Of course, that's Filter. Of course. <laughs> it's great. Boom. Love that. Yeah. That was fun. Well, okay, I can breathe. Dude, now. you're a total
0: winner, and I hey. will be happy to uh, do your voice message machine. It'll confuse the hell out of people, but, you know, <laughs> I think they'll love it. Hey, this is, is Tracy so Silverman. Yes. DBR's not around, but he'll get back to you <laughs> and leave a message. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I got to get that. I got to get
1: that. I love it.
0: Man, yeah. thank you so much for taking your time out of an incredibly busy schedule. Ah,
1: You're where? I'm on the, on the East Coast right now? I'm on the East Coast. I got. Um, uh, this Friday I'll be performing yeah. with the great Mark Bamuti joseph at Boston University. At the, wow. and, at the, and on that same night, the yeah. Phoenix Symphony is doing Dancers, Dreamers, and Presidents. Is that
0: right? With uh, And you Andrew, can't be there because you are playing? Can't be
1: there because I'm yeah gigging. So that's nice. Andrew Litton. But then I'll fly out the next morning and spend time with my great friends at the Phoenix Symphony on yeah. Saturday and Sunday. And then on Monday I'll be at, um the uh, Arizona State University teaching DBR Lab, which is a great project-based course for contributors. Yeah. Then on Tuesday, I go right to Chicago to for the next opera with Lyric Opera of Chicago called uh, The Walkers, in which the great Anna Devere Smith wrote the libretto, the actress oh, wow. and theater artist, and Yuval Sharon, who is this year's Musical America's Director of the Year, oh, wow. Jesse Montgomery, Composer of the Year. Yeah, he's directing... Yeah. That'll go up in March 24 as the premiere, and yeah, that's, a, that's an opera centered on real people in Chicago suffering through, uh, well, glory and gunshots, and wow. um, yeah, that's, that's my week.
0: Wow! So you're gonna be up in Chicago, man. You gotta yeah. let me know when you're there because you know I got three out of my four kids are living up in Chicago.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the, uh, Rachel Barton Pine, of course. Yeah,
0: yeah. Rachel's I there. Yeah, I'll take
1: them out to dinner if they want to go. <laughs> <laughs> I was just there a few days ago, man. I get up there all the
0: time. Great. Oh time. man,
1: I go, I want to see that. So that's a brand new opera coming out. That's the next one. Yeah, March 24. I'll start talking about it when oh. it gets a little bit closer. But actually, it's a yeah. uh, it's an evening where myself the John Luther Adams the oh, composer wow. and Caroline Shaw who I think yesterday got a Grammy nod by the way we've all awesome. written these kind of um, uh, i don't know 50 minute works that are all yeah. going to be presented in oh, one wow. night and it's oh, really wow. cool how they're going to do it they're they're doing it you know they're all multi-act works so the Yuval has taken different acts from our operas and kind of sewn them together out oh, of wow. order. yeah so you go from like my act two to Caroline's act three to wow. John's act one to my yeah it's completely huh. so it's, so it's almost movie. more
0: like a concert setting of of opera acts
1: oh it's full lights and costumes and everything but it, it, oh, it, okay. it, it, it's almost like um how you watch like dra- docudramas today sometimes yeah. where you have like three or four stories happening yeah. at once right and you keep ping-ponging yeah, we're, we're going to do that in an operatic form with full sets. And so I don't know how he's going to do it. Super cool, man. So, yeah, You have always, always Crazy. pushed the envelope,
0: inspiring oh. people. I mean, you just have such great ideas. I remember one time we were at the beginning. This was like when Twitter first happened, Ooh, first started happening. It was like, I don't know, 08 or something like that. Twitter, and huh? You were, whenever that started. Yeah. And we were hanging out. We were talking. We we're like... I'm going to send you a piece that's 180 cha- what was it? 180 characters?
1: Oh, I'm going to send you a piece of 180
0: this. notes and you right. respond with 180 <laughs> notes and we're going to do this back and forth and have this Twitter right. piece that we're right. going to write. Oh, I love Did we do it? We never did it. But oh, it was okay. a good idea. It was a great
1: idea. <laughs> that is a great idea. That is maybe it's 140 characters I can remember 140 whatever it was. But yeah. we should do that. We should actually do that. Twitter (laughs) needs us right now, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, For those who might forget, years from now, (laughs) today especially, Twitter ain't Uh, doing so hot. But, uh, yeah, we should... I know you just left it, yeah. (laughs) Speaking of... Well, you know, I did... Well, yeah, that's part of my activism, right? I really felt like, for me, not to get too much into it, but um, I do... Well, I'll just say this. I do think that how anyone leads anything... Is reflective of not of the person, but the people being led, mm. and clearly the people being led not only within the company, but on that platform. In my humble opinion, are not being led well. It's, yeah. it's not being led equitably, yeah. and you know that is that is the the, um, the elixir um, of I think anyone who has many billions of dollars. Yeah. Right. And um, that's a whole nother conversation for sure. But I will say, you know, um, we are all privileged. If if you're listening to this podcast, you are probably a privileged person. And it's Mm -hmm. a matter of looking at it in terms of a kind of personal scale and not looking at it through the lens of, you know, how many followers you have or likes or, you know, all these things that sometimes can be very misleading. And I think in our business, what I love about this moment right now, you know, in our business, if you can have an impact on one person, And really kind of change their life or make them look at life differently. um, That's the most valuable thing. And that's also what I admire about you. You have a great sense of balance and dignity and family and friends and community. And, um, yeah, I've always longed for that. Well, thank you
0: so much for those very generous words. And thank you for being a leader of that community. Thank oh. you for your social <laughs> activism, the very yeah. important work that you do. It's so important for people to lead that cause. Uh, yeah. You know, um, there's always resistance for yeah. the leaders, uh, and, but it's important for somebody to stay out front and to push that envelope past yeah. where some people are comfortable, because that's yeah. how action happens. That's what activism is about. That's and exactly we right. need yeah and we need those those voices are so important you've always been a very vocal uh a leader in the musical community and in the arts community in general Mm. uh and we thank you i thank you for the the whole uh strings community and the arts community for what you're doing what you've been doing and honored to have you here sharing your brilliant thoughts man thank you brother all right we'll do it again we'll do it again (laughs) Hope so man. Look forward to seeing you up in Chicago soon.
1: Yeah man, I'll I'll keep you posted for sure. I'm going to I, I, I got to get out to Nashville in man. Nashville. I love it. Dude,
0: anytime. You're Magical always town. We've got a we got a room just waiting for you the Daniel Bernard Remain <laughs> room, guest room. Guest suite <laughs> this week. week. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I pl- let my kids sleep in there but <laughs> it's <laughs> it's waiting for you.
1: I love it. Love it. All right, All right man. Stay keep well on. man. All right. We'll be in love touch. You. Love All you right. too brother. Love See you, you too. Yeah. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye.
0: Thanks for listening. If you dug what we're talking about and you want to dig in deeper, please check out the For the Greater Groove Facebook group where I post about each of my guests and where you can leave your comments and opinions. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you're digging the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and leave me a rating or a review. Thanks a lot and groove on.